Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali. Today is going to be a very, very busy show. It's been yet another mad week on the Mercato. Rasmus Hoyland is joining Manchester United for 85 million euros. Atalanta have done it again. Incredible financial deal for them. Pound for pound, are they the best run club in the world? They have signed El Bilal Torre from Almeria to replace Hoyland. How good is he? Staying with Man United, Sofian Amrabat is set to join from Fiorentina. Um, there's a lot of movement with central midfielders. Inter and Milan have both virtually wrapped up deals for centre mids. Lazar Samatic, who was on our show only a month or so ago, the left foot wizard from Udinese is set to join Inter. Yunus Musa continues the American Revolution at Milan from Valencia. Roma are also close to signing Renato Sanchez on loan from PSG. They are also in a battle with Inter for Gianluca Schiamacca. Juventus also about to sign a player for Kundo Gonzalez, the under-20 World Cup hero from Uruguay who plays for Valencia. Um, there's lots of other topics we want to get through. We may not have time. It's been absolutely mad in the Mercato. We will do our best. Um, we also have, um, so please stay until the end, one of the all-time great Prem face crimes from Rory the Tory. So you have to stay until the end for that because it is absolutely hilarious. Actually, I've got two amazing ones um, as well. And the other one I'm going to spring on you, Nima, because um, it's so good. <laughs> um, so for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show and um, interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. For all of you listening on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating. Give us a follow, subscribe to us. We're on YouTube as well, and it really helps us to grow. So let's get into today's show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Making your own podcast is fun, but the production of podcasts can also be challenging if you don't have the right software. With Zencaster, the whole process is quick and straightforward. Here at the Italian Football Podcast, we aim to have the highest of standards, and Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and fantastic HD video quality. Furthermore, it's really easy to use. Even boomers like Carlo can manage. There's nothing to download, just one click, and we start recording each episode. Zencaster ensures that your podcasting experience is easy and enjoyable. You don't even have to leave your browser as it possesses all the tools required to get the episode done, from local recording to automatic post-productions. Go to zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code ItalianFootball, one word. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Okay, Nima, let's start off then with Rasmus Hoyland, who is set to join Manchester United for 85 million euros, <laughs> um, 75 million fixed fee, then 10 million in add-ons. The deal is done. It's going to be become official in the next day or two. A uh, five-year contract plus one year for Hoyland uh, at United. And the first thing that comes to mind here, Nima, is Atalanta. They really are the best team in the world when it comes to 
to selling players and, and making profits on players, aren't they? It's not even close. Um, I tweeted that out and people were talking, oh, what about Porto? What about Benfica? What about Borussia Dortmund? Borussia Dortmund sold Jude Bellingham and Erling Haaland. Atalanta have sold Frank Jessie, Gagliardini and Rasmus Hoylund. Like, what are we even talking about? It's not even a discussion. I mean, the list that we've got here, we have to re-go through it because I think that just ends that debate. Rasmus Hoyland, they paid 17 million euros for him, sold him for 85 and a deal worth 85. Romero paid 16, sold for 55. Amadiallo, zero, sold for 41. Kulusevski, 100,000 euros, sold for 35. Bastoni, zero, sold for... Um, uh, sold for 31 million. Brian Cristante paid nine and a half, sold for 30. Kessie, zero, sold for 28. Caldara paid zero, sold for 25. Gossens paid one, sold for 25. Castagne paid six and a half, sold for 24. Andrea Conti, zero, sold for 24. Gagliardini, zero, sold for 22. Musa Barrow paid zero, sold for 13. I mean, it's not even a contest. Enzo Fernandez is a world-class player. Jude Bellingham is a world-class player. Um, Erling Haaland is a world-class player. Okay, they 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 screwed Liverpool, Benfica for Darwin Nunez, but I mean these clubs are these clubs single... don't, don't do amazing business. They're amazing selling clubs as well. Porto, Benfica. Uh, yes, they Dorman. are, but they the sell quality. Is you've got to look no, no, at the size. But I'm saying you've if got you to compare look at the, size. the quality. Yeah, but you've also got to look at the size of the clubs. I mean, pound for pound, yeah. there's no debate. Pound for pound, Atalanta are a provincial club. These other clubs are yeah. are big clubs. I mean, Porto and Benfica, they're historic clubs. They've won Champions League yeah. in you yeah. know between them in the yeah. in the in the past. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, even if you look at the quality, there's really only one or two, maybe three, actual world class players on that list I read up. Yeah. This this but I mean this but but the others, like you said, they're bigger clubs, so they obviously attract bigger mm. talent. But I mean, it's it's not. It, no matter how the how how that's the what's amazing is. about it, Nima. Because if you take Rasmus Hoyland, and, that, and that, we we we've been singing his praises. He was my pick, breakout star of the season. Like we know he's an amazing talent, and he looks like he's going to have a he's going to have a great career. Um, but the the point of the matter is this: he started twenty games for Atalanta last season. He scored ten goals in all competitions. Uh, okay, most of that was in 2023. That's when he exploded this calendar year for club and for, for countries. He's got a lot of goals for, for Denmark as well. There's no doubt in the talent. But when you look at that, he started 20 games for Atalanta, scored 10 goals, and they've managed to quintuple their investment on him in le- in 11 months. I mean, it's just it's just insane. And, and that just follows the pattern of those players that you, you've read out, like Ahmed Diallo, that you, they sold to United for 41 million. <laughs> Yeah, who I spoke about like, last he week. He played just four senior games before they sold him for a fortune. <laughs> and then they were all substitute appearances. Kulusevski, he, he'd, he'd only played three games for Atalanta. Yeah, for Atalanta. But let's be honest, he had a fantastic season at Parma before he went to Juve in January. So, or six months there. So it's still, but, 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 but it's a different thing. My point is simply, no matter how you, what metric you use, no matter how, what parameter it is, that list that I read up since January 2017, that makes Atalanta by far, pound for pound overall, they are the best club in terms of selling players and for selling players and turning a profit. Three hundred and ninety. Not just selling, but discovering players, scouting players, yeah. then developing them because you've got to develop them as yeah. well. Also, the youth system. Yeah. A lot of these players came through yeah. the youth system. They've been with them Absolutely. since they were a very young age. They weren't just signed at eighteen. You know, they didn't do what yeah. like what a lot of the Portuguese clubs do in which they sign players from South America. Also, the other thing to, to mention about Porto and Benfica is a lot of those players 
are have third party ownership and they when they, when yeah. when it when you put it on paper are oh, they they bought this player for x amount and they sold him for 100 million well actually they've got third party ownership who own about sometimes up to 50% of their contract and actually not much of it is going to Porto and Benfica so you, that you need to to take into account as well but yeah, I mean, Atalanta, they're, they're just they're the way that the club operates for such a small club. But I mean, Amazing. I, I just, just to build on um, on that as well, like for me, again, the quality of the players, Cricuti Romero, Bastoni, those are the only ones that I would say are, are, are world-class or world-class adjacent. I mean, the rest of them, I'm sorry, none of them are. They're good players, many of them. Mm. Some of them atrocious Hoyland players. Could become, and some Hoyland of them, the could, jury's still out on he that. Could become a world class but that's player. what I was going to yeah. say. That's what I was going to say. Hoyland is a player who I think, and I do sing his praises just like you do, because we think we both think he's a great talent. But again, we're talking about a player who had six good months, if even that, in the Serie A, and they flogged him for a deal worth almost 90 million euros. Mm. That is insane. It is insane. Absolutely and it is, it's, insane. And that, and that list that you read out, like you said, there hasn't been that many success stories on those. I mean, a lot of these, some of these players have been huge, huge flops. Caldara, massive flop. Um, Andrea Conte, Conte, massive Conte. flop. Gagliardini, <laughs> Kulusevski, massive flop at Juventus. Then they then sold him on to Tottenham. Yeah. Ahmed Diallo, so far, massive flop at United. He's been loaned out to to the Scottish League and to the Championship so far. You know, he did well last season in the Championship. But, you know, let's see if he can do it at this level. Um, you know, so there hasn't been... Kessier struggled at first, then he came good. Cristante has been good, but, I mean, he's not been 30 million worth. Uh, Gosens has been... Well, he struggled in the first Top. year. I mean, did better in the last months, hasn't he? But Still been a but, flop. Still been yeah, a flop. Let's be hasn't. honest. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush here. Bastoni and Cuti Romero are the only ones to date today. Mm. With the and I don't think Cuti Romero has been, has been a sensational either. I mean, he's been good. He's been good, but he hasn't been... I mean, he's good, been better for no, Argentina than he has But what I'm saying is, absolutely. But, but that, I mean, Tottenham's problems are, are well documented and more related to Tottenham it's more the, than the anything else. But the history of the Tottenham. The history of the Tottenham, as a certain poet from, uh, from Italy said. Um, look, but today... Uh, 31st of July 2023 when when we're going through this Gianluca Mancini another guy named on the list that's not on the list that's the level of the players that they've done that they that they sold that except for Bastoni and Cuti Romero there's not really been a single player yeah. who I think I look at wow I'm sorry and I'm not saying that Asmus Holen couldn't be that guy mm. of course he can but that's part of the skill that's allowed though isn't it that's part of the skill and yeah. of, of just how good they are but also the other thing and uh, is and we've said this before you know when you have a system coach like Gasparini yeah. um, you know sometimes players can look better than they are in the system and then once they come out of the Amen. system they struggle to adapt elsewhere and that I think that's definitely been the case with, with, a, with a lot of these players Um I don't think it's going to be the case with Hoyland over the long term, uh, maybe at the start, because, you know, he's done really well for Denmark as well. Uh, I mean, look at the, look how well he's been playing for Denmark this, this season. It's not just like, you know, the, the, he's a big talent. There's no doubt about it. But that is just Absolutely. a word of caution. That is a word of caution that when it comes to buying players from Atalanta, you know, they seem to struggle when they're outside of the, the Gasparini system. Uh, so yeah. that's something, that's a reason why these players have been sold for, so big, for such big money. Yeah, I mean, a profit in six years, well, six and a half, because this is from January 1st, 2017. Six and a half years of profit of almost 400 million euros. That is mental. That is just, wow. 
I mean, it's it's just... And, and again, look at the quality of the players. Look at the size of the club. It's a tiny provincial club in northern Italy. I mean, it's mm. just... Nah, it's, you got to... And they have the, sal- the salary bill no... of a championship club. You know, so... <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, that, that just shows you how to qualify for three Champions Leagues in a row um, and really fight for the Champions League last season as well. I mean, it just shows how yeah. well, how incredibly well run the club has been and, yeah. and why we say, you know, pound for pound, they are the best run club because what they're doing, they, they should be a, you know, a bottom half Serie A team. Yeah. Not, not no, a team well, that's, that's fighting for the Champions League every yeah. season. So yeah. I think financially in terms of player trading and, and in terms of, how you run a club when you don't have the revenue streams of the EPL or a state backing you up, they are the best run club yeah. from that aspect in the world. There is no one else who comes close. Yeah. Not if you not when you take in every parameter parameter into consideration. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and they've already got their replacement. And this is the other thing about them. They they always work in advance. They already had their replacement for for for, for Hoyland. Um, and that is El Bilal Torre from from Almeria for 28 million, which is actually a record transfer fee for for Atalanta, uh, and he is he's really highly rated. Um, he 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 really came to the fore last season with when he scored the winner against Barcelona. Uh, I think it was in February this year, and he had a few injury problems, but he got seven goals and two assists in 21 La Liga games. But he is lightning quick. I've seen a little bit of him. I haven't seen enough of him to 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 say come out and say right he's going to be you know as good as Hoyland but he is he's so quick he was clocked running at 35 kilometers an hour um so that's he's crazy. absolutely that's 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 olympic <laughs> like that is very very fast yeah. I mean, he's a center forward but he can also play fast. on the right on the right hand side and only nicholas jackson who um has joined chelsea now 29.3% and Christian Stuani, old Serie A player there, 25.7% yeah. had a higher shot conversion rate than El Bilal Torre, 24.1% uh, last season in La Liga among those that scored um, uh, seven goals or more last season in in, in, uh, in La Liga. So, you know, Atalanta have done it before to build on- and you can bet on them that they'll do it again. <laughs> well, they will. But to build on what we were speaking about on the Q&A pod that I raised, we had a question about Udinese and, 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 and we had a question about what it means now that the big clubs in Italy are looking for these younger players, what, which traditionally is what the Atalantas and Udinese did. That's going to be interesting because of the fact that, you know, Atalanta are so well run and they they turn a profit consistently and they have money to spend. If they can start spending at this level and start buying these talented players for 28 million euros at low wages, of course, um, that makes it really interesting as to if they can can sustain this sporting success, even past Gasparini, if they get the coaching position right, which is a big position. But in terms of competing for the best youngsters and the best players that haven't exploded yet, if they can pay a 28 million euro uh, transfer fee for players of that quality, that's incredible. Well, it is. They're starting to spend more. That that, that redraws. I mean, if they can do that and translate that into success on the pitch and continue this, that redraws the map. Of this, the is, city are this is in terms of strength of club, like yeah. in, in terms of results and strength. No, absolutely, and and this is also the the fruit of 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 you know signing players who scouting players that they that they they see are going to become good investments. Now, Rasmus yeah. Hoyland, they spent seventeen million on him a year, eleven months ago. That is for a team like Atalanta. That is quite that's hefty. Huge, that's quite a hefty investment. 
but they did it because they were confident that they could improve him and 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 look what happens less than a year later they they five times the profit they've got exactly five times the profit 17 into 85 five times i mean it's it's insane so you know when they sign someone like El, El Bilal Torre for 28 well they're obviously looking at him and they're thinking you know what in a year or two years we can probably sell him as well for 80 million maybe that, that's that's the way that they probably that's the way they're looking at it i'm not saying it's going to happen that's the way they're looking at it so you know i i think it's it's incredible um what, what they're doing and um yeah, they've got they've got more money to spend now as well, so they can they can improve the rest of the team. Um, so they they're one to watch as well. Next season, we we talk about Serie A, how competitive, how open it is. Um, well, watch out for Atalanta; they've got money to spend now, and and they could they could yeah, bring they in do. some they could bring in two or three El Bilal Torres. Who knows? And then you never know where where what could they do next season? So yeah, very 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 mm. interesting. Stick it, staying on Manchester United though. Sofian Amrabat is is getting closer. To, to Fiorentina, depending on who you listen to. Um, if you want to listen to real journalists or fake journalists, uh, as, as one hilarious... You'll get community guideline notes on Twitter, which is the most hilarious thing I've ever <laughs> seen happen on Twitter, because it's virtually impossible to get a community note on Twitter because of the, on, a, on a transfer story, because of the fact that most 99.9% of those stories are he said, she said. They're not... You know, there, there, there's a lot of hearsay. There's a lot of uh, unver like stuff. Things that or are tapping. like difficult. No, it's important. It's it's impossible almost at many times to to get you know to get verifiable like objectively you know because you don't have like in gut like in politics where you know an authority comes out and says this is wrong or whatever. But that's that that's how community notes work. But in order to get that on Twitter over a transfer story, that is a Herculean task. <laughs> it's so incompetent that it's almost impressive. I'm really, really impressed. By yeah. That. Well, getting back to the issue at hand. So, Sofia Amrabat is getting closer to, to Manchester United, uh, and the the fee, the final fee, and we're talking about Atalanta and what an incredible job they do in getting. Well, not going to say the maximum value. I'm saying like overset. Like the price is they get more than they should get for their players at Atalanta. Whereas we've been critical of other clubs. You know, the same team, Manchester United, buying Onana for 55 million, for example. We're now with the same situation with Amrabat because he's going to go to to, Fiorent, to Man United from Fiorentina for for thirty million, including bonuses. That, that's too low, isn't it, Nima? Mm, I don't know. Um, I wonder if anyone. I mean, like we we had uh, Nicolò Misul, who's the chief news editor of Fiorentina.it, on last week to do a Fiorentina deep dive, and he said, "Look, basically, if they told him in January, they probably would have gotten a little bit more for him." Uh, because his hype was so big after the World Cup. And, of course, Morocco had a fantastic World Cup, a historic World Cup. Um, so, you know, it, it is what it is. But um, I think that around 30, 35, that's his value. That's that's a normal, you know, non-inflated value for him. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, and I do... I, I, I've always looked at him as a kind of a poor man's Brozovic because he doesn't cover as much distance as Brozovic did. Um, but there are very similarities in between between them. Mean you know in terms of you know the 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 number of balls that they play, the first all important first ball high up the pitch, um, <clears throat> the the patience with the ball. Although I think Amrabat is much more direct. But there is a lot of there's a lot of um, similarities between them, and I, I actually think that this this is this is going to be this is going to be a good signing for Man United. Definitely. And if I'm not mistaken, they know each other. Yeah, they work as together. Well, Utrecht. Utrecht and Amrabat. Yeah, they work. Yeah, they work together. For yeah. me, it's a massive undersell. I mean, I've I've always been a fan. I've always been a massive fan 
of Amrabat. What mm. I like about him is what I want from my from my centre midfielder is I want them to dominate the centre midfield. It sounds very simplistic, but I want my midfielders to win the midfield, to be in control, to to win their personal battle against their their direct opponent or opponents, to control the possession, to you know to be the the, the master in the centre of the pitch. I feel like I get that with Amrabat all the time. I very rarely watch a game that Amrabat plays and I see him get dominated by his opposite number. You know, he's physically very strong. He's he's mentally very strong. He gets stuck in. He wins a lot of tackles. He's got that right, he's got that grinta and that right grit, uh, which, you know, m- goes into tactical fouls sometimes. You know, he knows when to make fouls. But, you know, he, he can control the game. Okay, he doesn't score many. He won't assist many. But, you know, I, he wins the midfield. He wins that midfield. And that's what I always want from my central midfielder. And I think there's few better around. We saw that in the World Cup. You know, we saw it in the World Cup. He was dominating the centre midfield in for Morocco in pretty much every single game. We saw it in the the Europa League, uh, sorry, the Europa Conference League final Conference against West Ham. He dominated Declan Rice in that game. You know, we see it time and again with with with, with Amrabat. I think thirty million is a snip for for player. His age. No, look, it, it depends. I know his contract is. I know his contract is is expiring. Is expiring next year. But you know, so was Declan Rice's. So were other players who were going to go for big money. And I go for big money. So I feel like, you know, if this was Atalanta selling Amrabat, there's no way it would have been 30 million. It would have been 50. It would no, have been I think 50. it would have been 45, 50. Yeah, yeah 45, 50, yeah. And, and they probably wouldn't have, you know, he would have left. That's another thing about Atalanta. They know exactly when, when to, to sell, sell players. Yeah, they sell. Mm. yeah it's, that's also really important. Um, but no, look, it's, um, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with most of that. I think he's all of that. But for me, it's, I, I look at, why Ten Hag wants him, and and I look at that and I say, okay, well, he's a, he's a, it reminds me of Brozovic a lot, and but just with less miles in terms of how much he can cover because Brozovic is a smokes cigarettes and has lungs of steel, which is insane. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's just a you know freak of nature that guy, um, uh, because he just you know he has the world record for the most distance he covers, for for distance covered in a football game. I think he's got the two highest ever. Um, distances ever covered in a football game both are Brozovic uh, and, and it's just insane I mean the man just never stops running um, uh, with Amrabat he's not as dynamic as he is but I do see a lot of similarities between them and I do under, and that's why I thought when I remember when, when Conte was linked with him and I was surprised he didn't get them get him when he was at Spurs because mm. I think he would have you know that would have suited him and his football um, but no look I, I, I think it's bad for Fiorentina of course that he's leaving um, but it's great, you know. It's it's great for Moroccan football to to finally get a a, a big player again in in one of the big clubs um, in in the world. And and I'm I actually look at what United have done this summer, and I'm thinking I'm starting to see lines here. I'm starting to see something very yeah. I'm starting to get a bit concerned uh, as well. Having <laughs> <I mean>, grown <laughs> up as Arsenal with my English team growing up, so Man United yeah. were not a popular team, and then there was the whole '99 semi-final as well and, and all yeah. that so I never liked Red no, I think, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a youngster but I, I, they've done some good business um, this, this they done they, and I'm seeing they're buying young they're buying intelligently I think they're buying players that will help them play exactly like it continues the mould of what he had at Ajax but an, of course an upgraded version of that I'm not saying they're going to win the Premier League or anything stupid like that but I do think that they could you know top four for sure um, and and it'll be interesting to see what they do in in you know the FA Cups and how far they can go in the Premier League and Champions League. It's looking really interesting. Yeah, and it's going to take yeah. some replacing as well, Fiorentina. We'll see if Arthur Mello can do it. We're, they're looking at Nico Dominguez from Bologna. 
uh, and a few other names. Um, listen to our, our last Thursday's uh, Patreon-only Fiorentina deep dive. We're doing this all summer. We're going through all the big clubs in, in Serie A uh, and we're looking at their transfer business, players coming in, players going out, um, what they're working on. Uh, and um, um, that was, uh, yeah, Dominguez was one of the names that's on the Fiorentina uh, shortlist. To, to, I think he's the main man. Yeah. The Nicolò said on, on Thursday from Fiorentina.it and he also mentioned that uh, how um, Rocco Comiso gave him a yellow card. <laughs> he's been on the receiving end of that. <laughs> uh, so you should definitely should check that out. So it's, it was a great hours conversation on everything Fiorentina. So if you want to get updated on, on everything Viola, make sure to check that out, including the new stadium and, and many other things. Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's move on to Inter now then. <coughs> and um, another central midfielder Lazar Samatic who is now it seems you can tell us on the brink of joining Inter for around 25 million euros plus the youngster Giovanni Fabian from well that remains to be seen because I think it's got to it's it's including Giovanni Fabian including Giovanni Fabian right yeah but that's what I've, from what I've understood from people I've spoken to. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. The deal isn't done yet. Um, there was talks of that Fabian didn't want to go. But then his agent, before we started recording, came out and said that that's absolute fake news. He's got no problems going to Udinese. I mean, this was a player who did really well in the Serie B last year, who Inter extended with and believe in and don't want to relinquish control over. So in, in the sense that if he's included in this deal, um, Inter want to have a buyback clause for a fixed fee because they rate him so highly. Mm. Um, so it's 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 an interesting signing. I mean, this season we had him on just a couple of weeks ago, and 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 it uh, continues this kind of revolution that Inter are doing this summer of rejuvenating uh, in in key parts um, of the midfield for sure. I mean, now if Samardzic signing is is completed with Fratesi in, well, Mikitarian leaving next season takes it takes a lot of stress away if if uh, if Mikitarian leaves next summer when his contract expires because you've already got him there and you've got Aslani there as well. Um, you got you know so so you've got a very you know they've rejuvenated the midfield by by a lot, um, and uh, so so no I, I you know we we you, I think everyone should go and check out our interview with him. He's a very He's a left. He's he's a fantastic. Got a fantastic left foot. He's very mature. He's he's a very you know down to earth guy, um, but he's only twenty one years old. He had what five goals and four assists and thirty seven appearances last season, yeah. which is very good. No, he is. He's he's um, he's an kind of an artist. He's he's a fantasy a fantasy player. Mm. He's got magic. There's magic when he gets the ball. Um, he's he's a real like when you, I don't want to call him a throwback, but you know, you, players that you used to see more in the 80s and 90s that, you know, when they got yeah. the ball, you kind of expect things to happen. But there's, there's a beauty in him. Um, he's just got such a beautiful, such a beautiful left foot. Left foot. Uh, he's magnificent at free kicks. Brilliant with free kicks. Great long shot. Um, he's a, yeah, he's, a, he's got big, big potential, uh, Samatic. I, I love watching him play. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the question, I guess, is kind of, where exactly what exactly is his best role not necessarily his best position but like how exactly you utilize him um that i think he's going to be played as a left mezzala in minzaghi's 352 yeah um, i think that's the position they're going to go for mm. um unless inzaghi decides to do what i've wanted him to do for many years and that is play with a 3511 um and and have you know have play samaric as a number 10 or Sensi, or someone else as a number ten, and then because because Inzaghi's midfields are very are very fluid, 
um, in position, positionally, positionally, I should say, in terms of you know where the players play, they, they change positions a lot, and in, in in central midfield. But I don't think he's going to do that. So mm. no, so I think in the three-five-two, he's going to play as a left um, Metzala, you know, alternating with with Mkhitaryan. And to be honest, there are worse players in the world to study from than Henrik Mkhitaryan. Uh, no, I mean Inter's Inter's roster now, their midfield roster is is magnificent. It's, 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 the best it's, in the it's definitely the best in the Serie A in terms of depth and everything. Yeah. I mean, I still think in terms of first choice certain midfield, it's out of Napoli and 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 Inter. Um, I might might yeah, just I go. I might just go with Napoli still. Might just seeing that seeing as Brozovic has left, but it's close. But in terms of you know over the course of a season, you need more than three players. You need you need backups. You need you know you need depth. You yeah. need different types of players, and Inter definitely come out on top there for sure. The only question I would have though is would, as much as we both love, love Samazic and we believe in his potential, um, I mean, he's not, he's not the nowhere near the finished player yet. He, you know, he, he's got a big ceiling, but did Inter need another central midfielder? Should that have been a priority for Inter? A cent- another center central midfielder well, when they need a, on... a, a, they need a striker, they need a goalkeeper, they need a center back. Well, that's the thing, though. I mean, Turam and, and, and Lautaro are the starters. Uh, Correa's a backup, and they're trying to get rid of him. And we're going to get into striker situation as well soon. But, you know, you could say that they didn't. But when they... I mean, it's quite clear that they want to... They feel that with Turam, with Fratesi and Samardzic, that's the midfield and attack sorted in terms of starters. They, they've created that. Then they look to the right, and, and Cuadrado for just one year, stopgap. But next summer... The defense. I mean, it's clear they're going with Bastonia, Cherby, Darmian, and Bisek to kind of you know they've begun the rejuvenation there as well. Um, so they they feel that they this serve this this back three can work for another year. Um, and of course, if Sommer comes in, he'll be there for a year and then maybe another year as a backup if if they decide to go after Trubin or on a free transfer, which seems to be the case as Trubin seems to be very, very keen on joining Inter. If they don't, if Shakhtar don't sell him this summer, then there's a, lot, there's a few reports suggesting that he'll join Inter on a free transfer next summer. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But look, I, I understand the question. Um, personally, I would have liked them to splash cash on the right centre back position because next summer is then they have to do it next summer because that defence needs a makeover. They completely. potentially need two centre backs next summer. Do you know? What I mean? Well, they will need two centre backs next summer because they can't continue doing this because none. You know, Darmian and Acerbi, God bless, they ain't getting any younger. Um, and and so so that's that. But I mean, look, some it's, it's clear that they're they're starting the rejuvenation. They're going, they're you know what we said all Italian clubs are doing, including Milan and Juve. Um, you know, young. Players, talented players, not too expensive wages. You know, that, that's what they've started. I mean, if you look at it, Aslani, Fratesi, Samadzic, none of them's older than, what, 24? Mm. So and losing Fabian, they, they are you, are you, is, that a, is that something you would have preferred to avoid, to lose Fabian? Is he somebody mm. that you believe... Well, I don't think they are. That's the thing, though. They, they have a buyback clause. Mm. I mean, that's, that seem, they seem very adamant on having a buyback clause on him. So, because they really believe in him. Mm. And, and the player really wants that. Uh, I think that's, that's one of the terms for him to accept the move away when he signed that contract extension until June 2028 was that you know I want to be part of the yeah. Inter just totally unrelated to, to, to Inter buyback clauses are something I think should be should be banned from football they should be taken out I don't think it's fair there's too many big clubs and I'm not looking at Inter this is just just this is just giving me brought it up to me now but I see a lot of Premier League clubs Manchester City Chelsea putting these buyback clauses and, and you know we're talking about trying to prevent teams from hoarding players 
Um, it, it goes on too much. Agreed. I think I think it should be. No, I, I think it should be should be outlawed. By, by, uh, I agree. I, I, I don't like it either. I don't like it either. And it's essentially like a loan, but with, with interest. And, I, and I'm not particularly... I, I don't like it either. Mm. I think it limits also the, the small clubs. Yes. Um, in, in their chance of, you know, making... And you big, do the work, uh, building up the player perfect. and everything. And then, yeah, and then, exactly. and then you, you, know, you can't plan for the future because yeah. you're going to lose them. And, and, no, yeah. no, no. No, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't like it at all. But, I mean, there was an attempt to try to stop it a few years mm. ago, but that failed spectacularly. Yeah. But more, I mean, broadly speaking, I mean, look, Inter was, was almost without a single player from the Balkans for the first time <laughs> in, in many, many years with Dzeko and Brozovic leaving, and we can't have that. No. So we need to have one itch at Inter at all times. Yes. Um, and and, and it's, uh, I'm glad that it looks like it's Lazar Samadzic, yeah. who we had on the pod a few weeks ago, and who I, I think is a very talented player and also is someone who, as a character, I think will suit perfectly into this. Yeah, episode. do listen. Yeah, if you can, go to onto our, um, onto our YouTube page and we do uh, have the full interview. The video. That we did, yeah, on video actually, yeah, um, with um, with Samadzic. And it's a very, very interesting interview. Uh, also about, you know, where he come from. He, he was born in Germany, but his, uh, you know, his parents are, are from the Balkans, from from Serbia. And he, Serbia. he having played for the, the youth teams of Germany, and then earlier this year, declared and started playing for for the Serbia national team, uh, and his uh, under Dragan Stojkovic, who was the who was one of my favourite players as a kid. My players, the genius, yeah. an absolute. He's genius the coach, and he was his dad's a hero um, as a as a, yeah. as a as a kid yeah. as well. Yeah, so yeah, quite inter- some interesting interesting stories. He was a Bar- Barcelona fan um, growing up. Messi, of course, and yeah, so there's a few few interesting stories there. Um, st- right, staying on Inter, so. It's Roma versus Inter for Schemacher. A few days ago, I mean, these things are cha- changing all the time. A few days ago, it seemed as if Roma were close to agreeing a deal with West Ham to bring Schemacher. Schemacher clearly has decided he's leaving West Ham because he's removed West Ham from his um, from his bio on his, on his social media account. But it seemed he's so moody. Yeah, it seemed like he was going to Roma. It was going to be a loan with a buy option, uh, which would become mandatory if certain objectives and conditions are met. Um, and then Inter kind of started to come in really strongly at the weekend with a with a, a potential deal that would be probably more beneficial or more preferable to, to West Ham because West Ham wants to sell Schumacher. They want guarantees. They don't want an option, you know, a loan with an option. So how do you see it, Nima, at the moment, this, this race for Schumacher? I just want to... First of all, to everyone who listens, his name is Skamaka. Yeah. You're not, you know, Carlo's just using his Neapolitan dialect to pronounce his name in the most Napoli way ever, which I absolutely love. Um, listen, um, I think I look at this from two perspectives. If you look at it from a football romantic point of view, if you look at it from um, the point of view of what Roma is and, and how they are in terms of the romantic side of it, and, and they, there should always be a couple of Romans in Rome or at Roma, then then Scamacca really has to go there because he would be a cult hero. Um, you know, he grew up in the city. Yes, he, him and Fratesi, they both played for the Lazio youth teams, but, you know, he is a Romanista. Everybody knows this. And he's a Roma fan. Pellegrini's there. You know, he's the captain. I mean, it would be very, very interesting from that perspective. But from a st- strictly tactical point of view, and with Jose Mourinho there... Not, I mean, I know Jose Mourinho doesn't mind Scamacca, but I think Morata would, would suit this Roma and his Roma much better. But then again, you have Mourinho's contract expiring in June 2024. Who knows if he'll stay? Many doubt that he will. 
Tiago Pinto, does he stay? Does he want to leave? Um, there's reports today from, from an Italian uh, outlet, Cronache di Spoliatoio, that says that Tiago Pinto and Mourinho hate each other, um, that they've fallen out and, and they, you know, one of them has to leave. Um, and so on, you know, that's not been confirmed or denied yet, as, at least not when we're report, recording this. So, but but I'm starting to think that, <clears throat> for me anyway, I'm, I'm thinking that, I think Scamacca, given that Fratesi is at Inter, given that Inter are going after the young, homegrown thing, and I think also with Scamacca's background and, you know, coming from very difficult background, and he himself just a week or two ago said, you know, I grew up on the street. Um, you know, I think for him to go back to Rome, I think maybe that would be a little bit too overwhelming for a kid who is obviously a very sensitive person. He's, you know, he's, um, I think it would be better for him to go to another city other than Rome at this young, at this point in his career where he needs to find some consistency after a meniscus injury and a meniscus um, uh, operation and a failed, er, er, you know, tenure in the Premier League under under what who you call the Scottish Allegri, which I think is so unfair. <laughs> um, David Moyes and Allegri should never be mentioned in the same sentence because Allegri is a fantastic coach and David Moyes is not so much. Um, but I think the best thing for him would be to go to Inter. Obviously, Fratesi, who he's played with since they were like children, the photos of them and, and since they were seven, eight years old in the same youth team, you know, and they've gone you know, grown up together through every step of the way. And I also think in, in a Simone Inzaghi system at Inter with this new Inter of homegrown young and he'd get more chances and, and I think it's a better environment for him to grow in. Um, but, you know, it depends on how you look at it. I mean, I understand that Roma fans would absolutely love it. I mean, he's, 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 he's a son of the city, he's a son of Roma. It would be very beautiful. But I, I, I wonder also financially if Roma can pull it off because they don't have any money to spend. They need to send, sell Roger Ibanez. See, I knew Roger Ibanez was going to screw Roma <laughs> even more than he does on the pitch. Um, so they need to sell him first and they've not been able to do that yet. And now this talk of West Ham being open to letting Skamaka leave on a, lo- on a loan with an option to buy him or, or it becomes an obligation and so on and so forth. Um on certain conditions so i i think that's 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 something that you know i think that's why roma are even in the conversation is the players will and west ham's you know opening up to this but inter are definitely can definitely get involved as well because they do have money to spend and they need another striker um, there's also talk of you know in, if Inter managed to offload um, Korea, which seems more and more like a possibility now as well. Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabic clubs are interested. So you know, I I'm, I'm I think a lot I'm will depend on on, on Schmacher's will as well. Like I yeah. think probably deep down he would love to go back to Roma. Um, oh, I mean, of course. he's even there's no doubt about he, that. He, he said, said it. He even said it. Yeah, he's even said it publicly. Yeah. So I think, yeah, he, I mean, I'm saying now, now, even even with the 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 offering, uh, potential offer in front of him from a, from a club as big as Inter, I still think he would prefer to join Roma. It's whether or not he's prepared pre- prepared to to play it to wait it out and and you know if it takes to the last week of the window, um, then West Ham would have to make a decision, you know, or if the Inter offer is ready before Roma's offer is ready, then you know he's got a decision to make. I think it's going to come down to it's going to come down to Schumacher at, at the end. Um, I think both, as we discussed last week, 
there's there's positives and negatives for joining either team, just as there is yeah, for, for the other teams that have, have been linked with him, like Milan and, yeah. and Juventus and and and, and um, you know. So so yeah, is is he needs to move though? There's no doubt about that. There's 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 no doubt about that. And um, Italy, um, I think Italy need him to move. Italy national team. Need Italy to need him to start playing regularly. I I said it a few years ago that I think that the the, the future of Azzurri number nine is is Gianluca Scamacca. Um, and I, I I firmly believe that. I think he's got he's he's a he's a tank, but he's got these beautiful ballerina feet as well. The the technique. Um, and I think he's just an unpolished diamond. And I think in the right environment, he could really, really turn to one of the best in in the world um, quite easily. Because I think the talent is there. I really, really think so. In terms of a number nine, he's a classic number nine, like prima punta. He's a ta- he's, 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 he's got really does have everything, in my opinion. Yeah, okay. In terms of talent, that yeah, is. Yeah, in terms of talent. Um, also, staying on Roma, though, um, Renato Sanchez's move to Roma is looking... Like it's closer than, than certainly Hope than Schumacher. Again, initial loan deal, um, and then the option to, to, to make the move permanent. Uh, Sanchez's salary will be uh, is quite big. Was too big for Roma, so so PSG would uh, would pay, would pay a bit of that. I mean, this would be this would be certainly a, a, a potentially great deal for, for for Roma. We know we know what talent. And potential Renato Sanchez has, unfortunately, in his career, he hasn't quite managed to show it um, at at the very biggest clubs. Let's say, like Bayern Munich, um, in the Premier League, you know, when it's when it's been at the very very top level, he hasn't quite done it. Um, so we see, you know, can he do it at Roma? Portuguese coach with Portuguese players in the in the in the squad as well. Um, you know, potentially that's a that's a that's a good deal for Roma, isn't it? Mm, it's a fantastic deal. I think he would be perfect. This is again why I keep saying that I think Morata would be so good. I mean that that midfield and Pellegrini, Dybala, Morata would be would suit this Roma side uh, under Mourinho so so well. Um, so no, I I, I think I, I really rate Renato Sanchez, and I think he he regrets going to to PSG. Where it was a complete wasted spell so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, right. Also, another central midfielder. Um, this time, Milan are about to sign Yunus Musa from Valencia. Uh, transfer fee of around twenty million euros. Um, and Milan and Serie continue the American. Revolution, and we've spoke a little bit about Muta already on a previous show. So, what I want to do is, um, out of all the Americans that have come to Serie A this summer, so we've got Christian Pulisic to Milan, we've got Musa who's about to join Milan, we've got um, Timothy Weyer who's joined Juventus, and we've got Folarin Balogun who who could be moving to, to to Serie A as well, potentially Inter, maybe we'll see. Um, so, out of those that have, that have come so far, um, who who do you think is um, going to do the best, and who do you think is is all of them from one to three in terms of best to worst? <sighs> putting you, putting think, you on the spot here. Musa <laughs> mm, Pulisic, um, Vea Balogun. Mm. 
we can leave Balogun out of it because he hasn't he hasn't yeah, joined. So yeah. the, no, but I'd go Musa Pulisic. Uh, I think are clear, and then Real. I, I think. I really so you think Musa will be the biggest success? And I think no, I, no, no. Who I think will be the biggest success? I actually think Pulisic will be the first American player to have huge success at a traditionally big European club. I think Christian Pulisic will do really well at Milan. I really think so. I think he's at the right time, uh, the right age, the right time, right place, right moment for him to show after, you know, a bit disappointing spell at Chelsea, even though he did win important trophies there. Um, I think I think he's... Um, no, I, I think Pulisic will become, in terms of star quality, I think he will become the, the first US men's national team star to succeed at a big traditionally historic big European club that I do think mm. but if we're talking today who I rate in terms of talent I think Musa and Pulisic you know I think they're, they're both of them ahead of everyone else but I hold Musa a little bit higher yeah I, I like Musa what I've seen of him I haven't watched him week in week out for Valencia um, but I was I was very impressed with him at the World Cup uh, and I liked him and Tyler Adams I like both of them too World Cup. Yeah, Obviously, same. Tyler Adams went to Leeds. Same. Leeds were a total basket case last season. He got injured <laughs> as well. You know, I, I liked him. I quite liked him. Um, less like, don't like the other American that was at the World Cup and contended midfield so much. Um, but those two, those two. <laughs> don't even mention his no. name. Weston McKenney doesn't even get no. mentioned. But what's going to, do you, I mean, what happens if Weston McKenney stays at Juve and he doesn't go anywhere? Uh, I don't know if I can say that on on uh, <laughs> on this show. To be honest with you, oh. all I know is that Juventus have about forty players in their squad, and they have they have to sell about fifteen. They have they've, to they've got about fifteen so players they need to get rid of because they're not in Europe. We'll come to that in a bit. But yeah, I mean, I would, I I almost feel like Musa might have the most most guarantees out of these. The issue that I have with the yeah. Musa signing is that I feel like Milan needs a deep lying central midfielder, and unless they're planning to play Benacer there. But, you know, Benesse is out until the new year, probably. And he's not going to get back to his best until, well, till when, you know, with such a serious injury. I feel like, are Milan going to buy a, a deep line midfielder? Because Musa's not, for me, he's not a six. He didn't play there for Valencia as a six. He, he played as a, um, as a as a kind of a, a more of a mezzala, didn't he? Like, a, um, you know, so, I mean, I'm not saying he can't play there. But, you know, for me, it's like, who's going to play there? Uh, for, for, for for Milan, so I'm not again same kind of thing, same same kind of talking point as we we discussed with Samatic. Like, was he a priority for Milan? Uh, who's going to play in central midfield uh, out of Milan? Um, so those are the question marks. I mean, I, I do like him. What I've seen of him, um, I, I really liked him at the World Cup. Uh, and Pulisic, we know there's a player there. Uh, Weya. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I didn't like. I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of him as, a, as an attacker. But we'll see if he can adapt into this new role as a, as a wing back. Um, so based on that, yeah, I think I'm, I'm probably going to go Pulisic, Musa, Weyer as well. Yeah, I'm the same. And we're not even mentioning Weston McKennie either. No. Who? Uh, no. No, we're uh, not. We're going to assume. <laughs> That he's leaving. Uh, we're, we're, we're assuming to keep the family peace, yeah. meaning in order for Carlo not to have a meltdown. Yeah. Well, having said that, he did, start, he did start for Juventus and they're friendly against <laughs> against Milan the other day. Fantastic. Oh, dear. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, right. Um, just um, staying on Milan. So this has become a bit of a, a bit of a talking point following the, the, the news that, that Musa 
is joining, and that is the lack of Italians in the in the Milan squad. So in their thirty man squad at the moment, there's only six Italians. They're Calabria, Florenzi, Pobega, Colombo, Sportiello, and Mirante. Now out of those six, two of those are reserve goalkeepers, so they're never going to play. Um, then you've got Pobega who could leave still, uh, backup central midfielder, and you've got Colombo who is the third choice striker and also could leave on on loan. Well, he has to be loaned out, shouldn't he? I mean, they can't... There has been talk that he's impressed Pioli in pre-season. Well, of course he's impressed Pioli because he's a fantastic talent. Yeah. I mean, this is... Mm. I mean, but that, 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 I, the I point hope... is this, that there's only six Italians. That that could become three or four by the end of the, by the, end of the window. Um, I mean, it... Is this a is, how the tables have turned? Well, is this I is remember this a, when <laughs> is this a problem? Is this something that, as it, as thinking from the through the prism of the Italy national team, is this something that we should be concerned about? That a team no. like Milan have, have such few Italian players and not even I trying to sign so. Italians. I don't think so because this when the I I I'm old enough to remember when. Everyone was saying, oh, look at Juve and Milan. All they've got is Italian players. And you, silly Inter, you don't have a single Italian player. And everyone's trying to pontificate on that and say that, oh, how bad that was for Italian football. And and I'm going to say now what I said then. That's nonsense. Got nothing to do with that. Because if you look at all the other teams, you see that the top teams in Italy, you see that there's quite a bit of Italian talent. And then you look at the youth teams and you see that, that they're actually doing really well. And that you look at the quality of the players. I don't think there's a problem at all. Um, here, I think but don't you think a... that is the problem? The fact that you know, we had this debate when Italy won the when the under nineteen Euros just a, a couple of, just a fortnight or so ago, and we said, look, you know, we've had a great summer. The the youth teams, the under nineteen, the under twenties, got to the World Cup. Now these guys need to start getting a chance, and they need to start playing. Well, if teams like Milan have, have just just decided to sign foreigners, and they're not given, you know, there's less and less space, and the number of Italians are going down. It's not just Milan. I mean, Napoli. Napoli only have seven. You know, I went through and I had a look. Napoli only have seven Italians in their squad. Um, have a look at the starting eleven. One or two starters in the outfield players. Uh, Napoli only Di Lorenzo is the only only first choice guaranteed starter. You could maybe uh, include Politano possibly on the on the, on the right on the right wing. Yeah, but he's not he's not a starter. Um, you know, we're talking about first team. Um, then then you've got I mean Atalanta who we just talked about. Um, they've only got seven in their squad as well. Two, two of them are goalkeepers, uh, and uh, one of their other Italians is actually Brazilian, Toloi. Um, you know, uh, Juventus eleven in the squad. Only three of the starters for Juventus are, are Italian. Um, Roma four starters, seven seven in their squad. Um, you know, in fact, it's only really Inter that have got good numbers. <laughs> Talking about turning, yeah, turning the tables, yeah. turning the tables. Well, that's what I mean. It's only Inter Half that have got good numbers. Turn. I mean, is this this is this a, this is an is this an issue? Are we not giving Italians enough a chance, especially when we're talking about with regards to the the young players? No, I'm not worried because I mean, again, I look at the Italian players. But the percentages are tiny, are. though. I mean, we're looking at record low yeah, numbers of is... Italians playing in Italian league, and mm. that's a problem. Surely, never. That is a problem. Mm. That's got to be a problem. Mm. We're at a record low. I, I, I'm saying wait. Let's wait. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I want to. I think we should wait to see how this plays out and how it looks on the pitch as well. Um, because remember, you know, the Inter with 13, Fratesi or Scamacca if he joins, Bastoni, Barella, 
the reason why Inter got them is because they were good enough. They were deemed to be good enough. And, and some of them demonstrably are good yeah. enough. And of course, all Italian teams would prefer to buy a player who's from Italy because they know the culture, they know the football, they know everything. They don't have any adaptation adaptation problems. But um, so I'm, I think I'm it's not too easy. Too I think it's too easy to go out and buy. You know, we, we're talking about Serie A being in a situation now where they haven't got the money to go out and buy established players. They're having to to base virtually all scout for the same kind of players now. The, the, the kind of players mm. that, like we said, the Atalantas, Udinese's would 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 scout for and sign. Uh, and now all the bigger clubs are kind of having to go and scout those kind of second level, third level, or even lower, you know, in terms of younger players from abroad uh, nowadays, which is fine. That's just how, how things are. But this is also gives us an opportunity to actually, you know, give chances to our to our own Italian players. And when they're doing so well in the under-19s and under-20s, you know, we should be we should be giving these guys a chance. And I just feel like it's too easy to just go out and sign players from abroad because probably because those players abroad are actually playing in their league. So they're getting the, the opportunities and the experience to, to develop. And I, I just, like you said, let's see how it plays out over the next year, two years. But I am concerned. And I think Milan is a, is a perfect example of that, um, of the concern about the lack of Italians that are, that are playing. But we're still in the end of July. So let's hope that, um, yeah, let's hope that, that that improves. And I'm looking at one player in particular, Wilfred Nyonto, who's available for just 20 million. Uh, this summer, which I think is a bargain, and I'm not seeing any Italian teams come in for him at the moment. Um, that's another example of that. I want to see, I want to see a team go for him. There's teams looking for, for outside attackers: Napoli, Fiorentina. Um, you know, why aren't they going for him? They should be going for him. Um, talking of youngsters and the other 20 World Cup, Juventus have signed a uh, uh, a youngster, and that is Facundo. Well, they haven't signed him yet, but they're going to sign him very soon, and that is Facundo Gonzalez. Valencia B centre-back who has agreed a five-year contract. Um, he's 20 years old. Um, it looks like it's going to be a very low fee, maybe even a free transfer with, with add-ons to make it kind of three three to four million, a sell-on fee as well. Um, now, this guy, I only saw him in the in the other 20 World Cup. He was brilliant in the 20 World Cup for Uruguay. Uh, he was a standout, the standout uh, maybe the standout player of the tournament. He was definitely the standout defender of the tournament. Um, really tall, big, very, very tall guy, but he was very, very good on the ball. I remember left-footed player, used it very well with kind of long, kind of bastoni kind of passes up the field, very progressive, kind of breaking the line passes, um, switching it, and he plays as a, a left centre-back. He played as a left centre-back for Uruguay in that in that under-20s, and he, um, he's been called up to the senior national Uruguay squad. He hasn't played for them. I think he hasn't really barely played at all for Valencia's senior team, but he's been a regular for their B team. Um, he's going, it looks like he's going to Juventus. They're going to loan him out straight away to, um, I think he's been linked to Genoa and um, <laughs> Sampdoria and another team as well, I think Cagliari as well. So. Yeah, I think I think it's good that they're doing this. They need to look at the future and they need to start rejuvenating. And I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm happy... That Juve are, are, you know, adapted. This is a new Juve. We'll, you know, we'll see what happens and how it lands. But I think it's it's a smart signing. I mean, he was really good in the under-20s. But as we've said many times, the step between senior and junior football and or youth football is huge. Mm. Absolutely massive. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, staying with Juventus, they have now been 
banned officially from Europe. We all knew it was happened happening. I, I, I called it about three months ago. I knew about three months ago it was happening. Uh, so they've been excluded from the 2023-24 edition of the Conference League, and they've been oh no, they've been ordered to pay a ten million. Fu- 10 <laughs> How the horror, the penalty. <laughs> the, well, the, the penalty the is the total penalty. Oh. <laughs> Allegri's going to shit house his way to Scudetto playing one game a week. Well, all I'll say, I'll say this from Allegri is I don't want to hear any excuse. Again, like I said last year, I don't want to hear any excuses about Allegri. Oh, it's been tough for Allegri. He's had this, he's had that to work it. Well, I don't you know, know what nonsense play you've been... Right, while everyone yeah, I don't else know what is sweating. No, excuse me, I don't know what nonsense Juventus are going to come with this year. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting. I did I'm not... waiting for the Allegri, Allegri, the, the Allegri, nah, 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 the Allegri faces, excuse me. as I'm going to call nah, them. No, 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 no. To, to, to make excuses for, for Allegri this season when they're playing no, once no, a week. No, no, no. All I'll say now no, is no. at least at least he's got a whole week to train them and create those patterns of play now, isn't he? <laughs> like on the training ground. Oh my days. No, but yeah, no, look, I don't want to go uh, over I don't want to go over stuff that we've spent a whole half a season going over. Yeah, I'm just gonna yeah, I'm just gonna say yeah. two things. One I tweeted. Juventus uh, again, weak in my opinion. Um I, I tweeted that they're like a cuckolded husband who then gives his wife's lover the keys to his house. Because Juve pull out of the Super League, knowing that UEFA are going to ban them from Europe anyway. I mean, it's just like on your hands and knees to your oppressor, isn't it? Like, basically. Oppressor! Yeah, that's that's, that's the the way it is. That's the way it is, basically. Oppressor! Number two, um, again, UEFA punishing, I'm not making this about Juventus, UEFA punishing Italian teams and no one else. Uh, I look forward to UEFA... Punishing Manchester City, <laughs> punishing PSG, punishing Barcelona. Don't hold your breath. Um, Don't you know, hold your breath. I look, I look forward to that. Um, and this is clearly not a political punishment, mm. not at all. Of course not. Uh, no, of course so not. that's all I want to say. I mean, if you want to add anything to that, you can. We, we've been over this a thousand times, so I don't want to dwell on it. But um, no. in terms but of look, positives, I, I, I think in terms of I positives is that Juventus are out of Europe, so you know they should be much much better in Serie A playing once in Europe playing to. once a week is huge it's massive it's absolutely massive to have that rest to have that time in the tra- on the training ground we've seen what Antonio Conte's done with it so let's see what you know what uh, Allegri Look, can do this, with it this is what the Serie A basically they they basically when they did what they did handed this over to, to, to UEFA and said well, you have fun with it then. We're, we're basically our top four teams in the Champions League. We don't want to mess with that. The Europa League spots. We don't want to mess with that either. Enjoy. Here's your. Here's here. Here's Juve, the biggest team ever to go into the tournament of your newly found, your newly established European Cup, UEFA. You want to throw them out? Be my guest. You're just going to be cutting off. You know, spite. You know, cut your nose to spite your face. Um, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, we, this is this is not a punishment for you. The punishment for them was to not be playing in the Champions League. Anything else other than that is just blood. Well, one blood. thing that I don't. One thing that I am disappointed about not being in Europe. I mean, as a competition, I, I'm not bothered at all because it's the Conference League. It's not a prestigious competition. What I'm disappointed is, as I said just before, Juventus have a 40 man squad. Now, regardless of how many competitions they, mm. they have, that's too many. That's, that's way too many, obviously. Um, but. But, you know, Juventus have got a lot of, like, really talented young players. Um, now, being in the Conference League would have been a great opportunity to, to play some of these players yeah. and give them the, the opportunities which they're not going to get in Serie A. And, and that would have been great for them to, to develop. I'm even thinking of, like, youth team players, players like Dean Hoysen, for example, who, who I think is, is a really big talent. Uh, but also players coming back from loan, loan like Rovella, 
uh, like um, uh, who else have they got? Um, uh, Miretti. Miretti, yeah, Miretti, uh, Fagioli, uh, Illing Jr., Cambiasso. You know these kind of players. You know this would it would have been a great opportunity. Now you, them not it's uh, Juventus not being in Europe. Well, as as what happens with, would happen with Atalanta not being in Europe last season, they're going to have to cut their squad massively, and they're going to have to end up loaning or even selling players that ideally I don't think I think a lot of Juventus fans wouldn't want to happen, uh, and that's that's a shame. That's unfortunate, uh, and um, you know I think it will be a big big shame if they they get rid of some of these some of those younger players I've just mentioned, even sell them because they weren't in Europe. So that, that's that's what disappoints me about them not being in the Conference League. Nothing else <laughs> disappoints me about not being in it. No, no. I mean, look, missing out the Conference League when you're Juve is, is, is about as punishment. There's no punishment at all. It's <laughs> they, they did them a favour. Um, but it's in in, this, in one sense it's good for Fiorentina because from what I understand Fiorentina are back in the competition and this time I really think they should try to go for it and win it because I think you know it was, it was annoying to see them not win it last season mm. um, but other than that this is this is fantastic for Juve I mean once a week they have a full year where they can rebuild and focus entirely on finishing in the top four which I think is a given now. Um, could even who knows how good it could go if Allegri has the time to micromanage 38 games and treat them like 38 finals mm-hmm. they could even end up winning it even though they don't have the squad to and shouldn't do <laughs> it could absolutely happen there we go um, there's the first Allegri uh, excuse coming in ding, no, ding. there's no there's no excuse there's <laughs> don't no have excuse. the squad of course they have the squad they, they do they not should, have the squad to, to win the squad no they do oh. not they do not you look at that squad and you tell me that it's in any way shape or size or form in any way close to where Inter, Napoli or 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 even Milan are with what they've done on, on paper. Come on. Of course, football isn't played on paper, but you can't tell me that Juve have a squad to win the, the, the Serie A. They absolutely have the squad that they should be challenging no. to win the Serie A. Absolutely, they should. Mm. Absolutely. It doesn't mean I think it's a great squad, but we're talking about Serie A here. We're talking about this is Serie A. We'll see, where, we'll see who's left at, at the end of, of August because Vlaovic is probably going to If you have Vlaovic uh, and Chiesa in your attack, you absolutely should be challenging. So, well, but, if you don't we've have had, them, that's we've, exactly... We've had it revised that suddenly Chiesa and Vlaovic are not are not top players when they they absolutely are <laughs> you know they no I didn't no no I'm saying if one of them leaves uh, it depends on who replaces them I mean is it going to be Romelu Lukaku I think Romelu Lukaku is the kind of guy who wins you the Serie A yes he's he's the kind of you know even in this form he's the kind of guy who scores a 15 20 15 goals 20 goals without even being as good as he was under Conte uh, you know, he, he does the ugly stuff, which Allegri likes. You know, he beats your Empolis and your Leches away with ugly goals, mm. um, which which matter in, in winning winning the leagues. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. It's still too early to say. But look, there's there's no doubt they're going to finish in the top four. Um, this this was the best. This was the best possible outcome out of a out of a really really horrible situation that they created themselves entirely. Mm. Okay, right. Um... Verratti, right, we'll talk about Marco Verratti next week, um, his negotiations to move to Saudi Arabia. Um, let's move on to Badger and Prem Face of the Week because I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this uh, this week. <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, so let's talk, let's go to Badger and Prem Face of the Week. Okay, starting off with Badger. Um, who you got, Nima? Are we going with Atalanta, Atalanta for their sale of... Absolutely. If you sell Lassmus <laughs> for that kind of money... I can't pick anyone else but them. I mean, Jesus, what a fantastic deal that is. Mm. Yes, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's amazing. Uh, It's truly, truly amazing. Yeah. 
And a shout out to the Moroccan women's team as well, who won their game uh, in the World Cup. I think it's the first time ever. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? I shouldn't be laughing. I'm just thinking of that ridiculous question from that BBC journalist. Just, just, just absolutely oh, so just rude. insane. So rude. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, oh, gosh. Right. Okay. Talking of Prem Faces, let's do Prem Face of the Week. Uh, I've got two absolute corkers this week. Uh, just, just, just. Hall of Famers, both of them. And have you got anything? No, I'm, 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 well, one of them is what we're going to have. So, okay. or that is what I was going to choose because I think that's so... Okay, so yeah. we've got our good old friend Rory the Tory who uh, on Talk Sport said that last week he said, who did he say was unproven because they hadn't played in the Premier League last week? Well, it was an Mbappe who was unproven. No, it was Onana, <laughs> he said. Was, was it Onana? Ah, yeah. Onana was, un- was it Onana that was unproven last week? Well, anyway, this yes. week Kylian Mbappe yeah. is unproven. Um, as he's not played in the Premier League. And I'll quote him. He says, The problem I have with calling Kylian Mbappe the best in the world is he's never played in the top league and he hasn't done it in the Champions League. So that's that's uh, that's Rory the Tory's latest gem. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, you know... Uh, unproven because they haven't played in the Premier League. I don't know. If I had a pound for every single time I heard that, I would I'd be... <laughs> I'd be a billionaire. Is he Premier League proven? As if, as if it's like, especially in today's era when football is so globalized and the top leagues are so similar. Of course, there's difference in quality, but it's not the 1990s where the Serie A was was such a huge difference in terms of, you know, how how they played. Kylian Mbappe scored a hat trick in a World Cup final. He scored. He he was probably maybe the best player in the tournament as a teenager four years before in France, winning the yeah. World Cup. Winning the I World mean, Cup. <laughs> I mean, it's just—it's just like. What are you talking about? Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I'm no, just, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Because I think that there's—I there's think that sometimes say. I think there must be a limit for prem faces, but then you hear something like this and you think there is actually no, <laughs> there is no limit. You can you can just go. You can if you're going to say it with Mbappe, then you know you can say it with Maradona. Actually, someone did say it about Maradona, didn't they? Recently, they said that. You wouldn't get yeah. to Sheffield United. Was unproven team. in the Premier yeah. League. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Oh dear. Yeah, it's it's just yeah they they, they are. I mean they, they they don't they can't be serious. No one takes them seriously, and everyone laughs at them. And it's like it literally is like a case of well, you know, the the village idiot weekly or daily in, in his case. Um, you know, <laughs> it's just it is what it is. What can you say? Right. The second one is got is totally unrelated to football. It's got nothing to do with football at all. But I just saw it just before we were about to start recording and I and I I put it down because it is just it is the best it's the best example of prem facery outside of football I've ever seen in my life it is it's just absolute gold so it was in the mail on Sunday this this past weekend and they were doing a a story talking about who the next James Bond is, is going to be and they they reported that the famous actor Idris Elba's brother, Damson, was set to be the next James Bond. The problem is that the Mail on Sunday mistakenly believed that <laughs> Damson Idris is his name. Idris is his surname. Now, Damson Idris is a British Nigerian actor who was in Snowfall, I remember, a very good series, um, so his his surname is Idris. Idris Elba, Idris is the first name of, of Idris Elba. Damson Idris, Idris is the surname, right? His surname is Idris. He was born in Peckham. His parents are from Nigeria. They, so the Mail on Sunday mistakenly believed that Damson Idris 
must be the brother of Idris Elba, <laughs> who was born in Hackney, parents from Sierra Leone and, and Ghana. So, I mean, don't, don't they, do they not have Google? <laughs> like, do they, like, I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know. It's so lazy. I don't know. Is I don't know whether called, you'd call it they, partially I mean, racist or or, or or casually racist or or if it's just they've seen the name Idris or it's just I, I just I'm just trying to work out how this happens. <laughs> like like I know like Prem Basri is just something that you know there's like there's just a gene missing or something that it, it, you know that it, I just I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to work out how this. I don't know who the guy that wrote the story is. How he possibly believes that this Damson Idris is the brother of Idris Elba. Like, how is it, how does it get to it? It's, it's just, it's... But this is what I mean. Like, do they not have Google? Do they not have the internet? I mean, <laughs> like, I don't understand. You, you, before you write everything, you, you, this is what part of your job is. You've got to double check so you don't say stuff like that. I mean, this, that takes you five minutes to understand who he is. Yeah. Um, but I could and, understand and making like, that like, I mean, I, I still couldn't understand it. But like, if they had the same surname, like if this guy, if this guy's name was Damson Elba or something, you know, you might just, you know, you might be a little bit tired, and, and you just, and you just might think, oh, it's his, it's his, it's his brother, or he's related to him or something. <laughs> it's his first name against the surname. <laughs> I'm reading it now, and 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 it, it's not just mail. It, yeah, the Daily Mail. Yeah. The Daily right. Fail. Yeah, mail on the Daily, Daily Fail. fail yeah. <laughs> um, Who, who's the writer? Yeah. Who, who's, the, who's the writer? Let's, let's, let's shame him. Come on, name and shame him. What's his name? <laughs> Let me find it for you, yeah. Let me see. Could Idris Elba's older brother... <laughs> Jesus Christ, I can't believe I'm actually reading this. <laughs> um, could Idris Elba's... Um, no, they've deleted it now. Oh, you can't, yeah. When you click on it, you can't find it. Oh. Yeah, they've, they've deleted the article. Oh, right. now. Okay, yeah, I'll find out his name. <laughs> yeah. I'll find yeah. out his name. It's just, yeah. So that was, uh, I, I don't know, it's, it's a close one. The prem face of the week between Rory the Tory and, and the, this, this mail on Daily Fail writer is it's a very, it's a close, it's a, it's a photo finish. It's a photo finish, I think <laughs> it really is. And, and there's quite a bit of. Um, the, yeah, and, and and also one is the first thing, one is the surname. It's just, yeah, it's it's all of it is just so, it's so cringy and painful. Mm. Um, and and it's like, well, it's not. It's like, do you think everyone called Johnson or Svensson or like <laughs> everyone's not related just because they have the? I mean, it's just, oh my god, yeah, it's it's so cringy. It really, really is. Okay, on that cringy. note, let's 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 call it a day. Um, Thanks for everyone for listening. Um, we will be back on Tuesday for the Q and A episode. Then on Wednesday or Thursday, we do have our, we're going to have our Lazio deep dive, talking about the Lazio uh, Mercato, what they're planning, players are planning to bring in, the players they're planning to sell, um, and, and and Sergei Milinkovic's Savage has moved to Saudi Arabia. How that all came about, uh, lots to talk about there. That is with, who is that with Nima this week? Um, I'm waiting on on confirmation because uh, the person I wanted to do with <laughs> cancelled because he's you know it's it's Italy and and everything is a little bit like it is but I'm waiting on final confirmation so I don't want to give quite a name just yet because okay. I'm talking to a couple of people. Okay, great. But yeah, well, I'm I'm really working on trying to bring someone uh, the from Lat for, who covers Lazio 
who can do a proper Lazio deep dive. But yeah, I'm speaking to a couple of people. Okay, fantastic. Right. Okay, let's leave it at that. We'll see you on Tuesday, everyone. Thanks for listening again. All the best. Ciao, ciao.